The Halo's 2023 schedule was released last week, and there's some interesting games that we're going to be playing next season. We're going to talk all about it. Julio Rodriguez actually signed a new contract, and we're going to talk about the impact it may have on Shohei Otani. And speaking of Otani, some knucklehead said that he should play first base, so we're going to wrestle through that as well. You're Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can give us a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe to the show and click the bell to be notified every time a new episode drops. Happy Tuesday to you. You've got the Frisch Brothers, a.k.a. the Super Halo Bros, here on Locked On Angels, where it's your team every day. My name is John and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike and that's my brother John. And John, it's going to be a great episode because I've got my classic Timmy Salmon. I got this gift from a friend. So it's going to be a good episode. If you're watching on YouTube, you see it. If you're not watching on YouTube, it's the uh, classic 90s Angels jersey. Tim Salmon version, of course, the only jersey that you should wear from the 90s. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'd wear wear Chuck Finley. I'd wear I'd wear Mark Langston. I'd wear Jim Abbott. You got okay. GA. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. <laughs> hey, uh, let's get into the conversation here about the Angels schedule that was released last week. It looks like the Angels will be starting their 63rd consecutive game on opening day in Oakland. Oh, that's not right. No, Never mind. no. 63rd season, no, they, John. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. Uh, is that true? 63rd season yeah. opening day game in How Oakland? about that? And it I does. It was a joke. It does feel like we're opening up in Oakland again, right? I think this we is are. the uh, what is it? The fifth time in seven seasons that the Angels are going to be starting the season at the Oakland Coliseum, and it's the first time in MLB history that any team begins the season in the same road ballpark at least five times in a seven-year span. <laughs> well, and the only reason it didn't happen last season was because of the lockout. Like Mm -hmm. we were going to be on the road and had to make up some games against the Mariners and, and Oakland. And we opened, we opened at home in 2021, but that was weird because there was COVID rules still. So you couldn't pack out the stadium. Of course they did reopening day later on in the year, but yeah, come on, man. Why do we, why do we have to do this every single year? Yeah. Well, then in Oakland, it'll still feel like it's uh, COVID rules are being implied because there was, There'll be yeah. 2,300 people there, right? That's right. And the drum circle. Yes. Uh, you know, it is It is nice to open against Oakland because, you know, they haven't been very good this season, and I imagine that's going to continue uh, for the next year or two. They're working on a rebuild. Yeah. But I wish that we could open at home against them. I I love opening day at Angel Stadium. It's yes. one of my favorite things I've ever been to. In yeah. fact. You and I, you and I, and our brothers held the American flag during the uh, during the opening ceremonies. We did. for an opening day one year. That was uh, Pujols' first game, right? That's right. You're right. Dang, that was so long ago. We are true Americans and true Angel fans. We held the flag at <laughs> Angel Stadium. Don't question us. <laughs> That's right. It was Pujols' first season. I remember we were stoked about that too because 
we were so excited about Pujols. We were so excited about the team. And then plus you got to be on the field. And I, I reached down and grabbed a couple of blades of grass and put it in my pocket just because it's Angel Stadium grass. And so <laughs> it's it's dead now. It's been 10 years. but <laughs> They're still coming to arrest you for that. So Okay, great. Uh, That's good get, to know. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the Angels being at home, they're actually going to open up at home against the Toronto Blue Jays on April 7th. And Maybe we can sweep them again like we did this weekend. <laughs> Angels play a franchise record 46 interleague games next year, Johnny. Yes. They play four against the Dodgers, which we, of course, expect, and three against uh, the uh, each of the other 14 National League teams. So the way That's the schedule is kind of wired this next season is that the Halos, American League teams, National League teams, there's not going to be like... You're just playing them, and then every once in a while, you'll play a team from a different league. They've mixed mm-hmm. the schedule all together, so it actually is going to be kind of an equal playing all the way through. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that because some of the teams that we'll be playing are really difficult teams, and it'd be nice to have those games against maybe more of the West or more of the, the bottom feeders in the American League. How do you feel about that? I'm looking forward to just seeing different teams and the different matchups, and I think it's good for the game of baseball. And plus... While we are going to face difficult National League teams, we are going to face those Pirates teams, yes, right? We are going to true. face those kinds of teams that are are not doing so hot lately. You know, who knows what they'll look like next season. But yeah. I will say that as for, for each team that's going to be difficult, like, like the Dodgers, uh, of course, we're going to be playing them in the Freeway Series. We're going to have a pair of games at Angel Stadium on June 20th and 21st. Then they'll go to Dodger Stadium on July 7th and 8th, kind of like how they did this past season in 2022, and that'll conclude the first half. And then the home schedule has a pair of 10-day, nine-game homestands, hmm. uh, the first of which includes games against the Twins, uh, May 19th through 21st, uh, the Red Sox, May 22nd through the 24th, and the Marlins, May 26th through the 28th. And then there's a second nine-game homestand that takes place immediately after the All-Star break in which the Angels take on the Astros uh, the 14th through the 16th of July, the Yankees the 17th through the 19th, so two expectedly difficult teams, and then, like I mentioned, the Pirates on July 21st through the 23rd. So a couple of long homestands next season, so that'll be interesting in terms of, uh, of how the Angels will perform before and after the All-Star break like that. It'll be fun to see O'Neal Cruz, if obviously if he's still with the Pirates, yeah. unless they trade him away, but that'll be fun to see him because he's kind of been a, a game-changer for them, and that guy has got an rocket on on his arm like for for his arm like he's got he's a rocket incredible. for an arm rocket for an arm you don't know what the heck you're doing uh and then the road schedule actually features two different three city trips so from july 25 to august 2nd we're going to detroit toronto and atlanta and that actually mm. could be a great maybe difficult road trip because toronto always seems to be good and atlanta of course is always really good and who knows where detroit will actually land and then from august 25 to september 3rd we're playing the mets the phillies and then we're going to oakland and then we conclude the regular season on october 1st versus oakland and it marks the first time since 2019 that we're actually finishing the calendar year the baseball year at angel stadium so we don't start there but we do actually get the final game at home at the big a so that's kind of cool yeah and it's against oakland too so it's book ending the season with with oakland and against oakland yeah 
Yeah, I, I, I do appreciate that they are changing things up. You know, in the past, it's been, hey, you're going to play one division uh, from the National League, and that rotates every year, right? But sometimes you end up on the East Coast, and the East Coast team doesn't come out this way, and then sometimes they do, so that's always a fun matchup. Like this year, we had the Marlins come to Angel Stadium, and so that, that was great. Uh, in the past, we've had the Braves here, but the, we went to Atlanta this season. And then, of course, you always have your your crosstown matchups like the Yankees are going to take on the Mets and the Oakland A's are going to take on the Giants and we get to take on the Dodgers so that's going to be a lot of fun as well so I I do appreciate that they've changed things up Uh, the the, the one issue I do have is that no matter uh, where you're watching your team uh, if they come to town or they go to a visiting town you're still going to get blacked out by MLB because Because of their dumb restrictions. They need to figure that out because the NFL has figured that out and the NFL has a a growing audience. And so baseball needs to figure that out because it's ridiculous that they're going to black you out. I have a friend who is in Arizona and he was blacked out because he was considered a part of the blackout area. And he's like, I'm 500 miles away. Yes, he's 500 miles away. But they said that you are in the blackout zone. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm in the Diamondbacks blackout zone and nobody wants to watch them i want to watch the halos <laughs> and they weren't playing the diamondbacks no they weren't wow isn't that crazy wow that's crazy yeah they got to figure that out man there i mean there's no reason why the mlb tv app shouldn't be one price it's pricey enough but give people access to the teams that they want to watch it's just crazy coming up on locked on angels would you put otani at first base. We'll tell you why it's a good idea and why it's a terrible idea. But first, Locked On Angels is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs is here. They make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond your network to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. There are simple tools like screening questions that make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire and interview. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to and help you find them faster. Did you know that nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn every single day? And you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. And there are terms and conditions that do apply. want to thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day, but let's head up north to some interesting news that kind of affects our Halos, Mike, and that is Julio Rodriguez, the young rookie outstanding player for the Seattle Mariners, Mr. J-Rod. He has worked himself out a deal with Jerry DePoto's Mariners. <laughs> yes. Uh, according to Jeff Passan, Jeff Passan tweeted the details. The deal could be for, get this, 8-13- 16 or 18 years. Wow. Uh, it guarantees Rodriguez 210 million. If it maxes out, it will be the largest ever 
at $470 million. Dang. That's a lot of money. (laughs) That's a whole lot of money. More than trout. Wow, that's incredible. So the base of the deal, Johnny, is eight years, $120 million. And it includes this season. It runs through 2029. After 2028, the Mariners must decide whether to pick up a club option. The size and the length of that depends on Rodriguez's performance and, get this, MVP voting. So there's some Mm -hmm. incentives. I wonder how the Players Association feels about that. Obviously, they like it (laughs) because he signed the deal. But the option is for eight or ten years on top of the original deal. So depending on how Rodriguez fares in the MVP voting, how many times he wins, or at least where he finishes in the top five, top three, it can range between 200 million and 350 million. And if the wow. Mariners pick up the option, Rodriguez's guarantee in the deal is at least 320 million dollars. Johnny, if the Mariners don't pick up the option after year seven, then Rodriguez has a player option. Are you following me? A player option for year eight, and he can actually enact the option, which would give him five more years and 90 million, which brings the whole contract to 13 years with a, here's the floor, $210 $210 million. He could turn it down and he could hit free agency right after his 30th birthday, too. So, did you get all that? Were you writing that down? This, taking this notes? has Jerry DePoto nonsense <laughs> written all over it. Good grief, man. Like, Your face is I understand great. There's, there's a lot of incentives here and there's a lot of, you know, good, good things here for both sides, but like just. Based on you reading it and how complicated yeah. it is, I'm like, Jerry, what a Jerry DePoto masterclass. If you bat left-handed only on games that end, <laughs> right? DePoto's going to depote, and that's exactly what he did. He depoted all over this contract yeah. here. Uh, the likeliest outcome here, Mike, Julio Rodriguez is a Seattle Mariner through 2037, and he makes at least... 320 million, maybe even more. And if he turns into a monster that he's shown his rookie season, it could be the most financially lucrative deal in American sports history. And I got to say, to do this for a star rookie and just say, hey, we want you as part of this team for the years to come and for the foreseeable future. I appreciate that. Oh, I, think I love that's that. It's really cool. Yes. And it's like, we're, we're, yes. we're centering this team around you and, and you're worth this. So I think that's a great move, even though <laughs> DePoto likes to complicate <laughs> things that way. But yeah. now yeah. The, the question is, is this an interesting structure to where we could apply this to a Shohei Otani right. contract? Now, obviously it might not go as long as this Julio contract, given Otani is in his late 20s. But what about the options and incentives? First of all, you could lock him up for five years, give him some options to get out at year two and year three, and allow him the option to make this deal longer if he decides to stay by adding five more years at a lucrative yearly salary. And maybe this kind of contract gives the Angels the salary relief at certain points while giving Otani the power to opt in or out. So it kind of works for everybody here in the sense that we want to keep Otani around, but we also understand if he wants to hit the eject button, he has the opportunity to do so. However, if everything's going well and we all want to stick together, you kind of incentivize him to stay by adding those bonuses on the top. What are your what's your take on that? I like the structure of the player gets the opportunity to say, I want to stay here. 
I like that. Mm-hmm. I also like that the team can say after a few years, we want you to stay here, right? They can mm-hmm. opt in as well. And I wonder, I wonder if it would be wise to give Otani, oh gosh, three years, four years, maybe let's say five years, mm-hmm. and you make the average annual value the ridiculous amount that has been thrown out there. But then you do give him options so that he can get out after year two or year three, right? And then if at the end of the five years, Otani has been mashing, he's been great, then you give him an option or maybe you even give the organization the option to say, hey, we'd love to lock you back up for another five years. Automatic, mm-hmm. here's what it means. It's already in the contract. And and then maybe a part of that is Otani in his deal, if he signs this five year lucrative deal, he could say, I have the option of saying, Yes, I want to opt in, but I want to renegotiate the money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so th- I wonder I wonder if that would work for him. Cause there's been a lot of talk about like he wants to win and he wants to get out. And of course, Angel fans have said it we're, we're probably gonna lose this guy because he does want to win and he wants to get out. But I do think he really likes being here. He said he really likes being here. And mm-hmm. if new ownership comes in and they're going to build around somebody, they should build around Otani. And it would be smart. We talked about this on yesterday's show. It would be smart and and lucrative for the Angels to have him around because Otani brings eyeballs and he brings in dollar signs. And so I think that we'll probably see a interesting contract with Otani, I don't know if they'll put incentives like, hey, if he finishes this high in the MVP and all of those things, because the truth is, for as long as he plays, he's always <laughs> going to be at least top three to top five in yeah. the MVP conversation. What do you think, Johnny? Do you think yeah. options? Do you think uh, making it lucrative? Do you think long-term, short-term? What, give me your DePoto thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to do that. Uh, look, I have said it before. I think Otani has a three to five year window where he is still going to be the spectacular player that he is. So I think the angels offer him something along those lines, but give him the option to opt out because obviously he wants to be here with this team. Yeah. But like you said, he wants to win. And I think the, the best thing that you can do is pay him what he's worth, which is going to be a huge annual value, probably 40 to 50 million in between something like that. And then I think giving him the option to leave if he chooses to do so to pursue another team, I think is more than reasonable because the Angels haven't proven to put a winning product on the field. Even though they've tried, we've had injuries and they haven't done enough to supplant those injuries and kind of fix those holes in the infield and the outfield when they happen. And, and, and the rotation is stronger because of Otani. So I just think, show him the deal that says, we want you to be here uh, for the next three to five years because we really like you and we believe we can win with you. However, if the wheels fall off, you're more than welcome to opt out and take a contract with somebody else. And I would put that at like year two and beyond. So give him, give him one year where he's guaranteed to stay then year two where he he stays as well. But after year two, give him the chance to opt out each year in that contract because I think it's only fair. I think it's only fair to him for everything that he's given this team and everything he's been able to do for this team. But I want to see the Angels win with Otani and with Mike Trout, and I think they can do it. If they just pony up 
the dang money and pay for some good players next season, it could happen next year, right? And and so it's just frustrating sometimes to think about the fact that somebody might not pony up the money, whether that's Artie Marino or the, the next owner. I also would be careful to do this kind of contract the way that they've done with Julio Rodriguez because you have new ownership coming in. And maybe that's the new owner's job when they come in is they'll be the ones to offer Shohei that kind of contract. But I think right now, if you keep it simple, keep it within three to five years and give him the chance to opt out, I think that's a reasonable contract. And by the time new ownership takes over, you'll be able to negotiate with Shohei then. Johnny, you already mentioned it, but we'll talk about it one more time. There's been a lot of injuries. Walsh has been somebody that he's been playing hurt. We finally found out why he's been playing hurt and what's been going on inside of his body. And and so Mm -hmm. he's out potentially out at least for the obviously for the rest of the year, maybe even the beginning of next year. And so there has been some talk about, hey, well, what if we what if we put Shohei Otani at first base? And so you and I are going to talk about why that's a good idea and a terrible idea. So I'm going to take the good idea because I know that you think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> so let me, let <laughs> me start us here. Uh, here's why it potentially, I'm going to say potentially, it is a good idea. It gives Trout the option to DH. And we know that Trout needs to get off of his feet. We know that Trout needs to be in the dugout when the team is on the field. That it could be great for his back. It could be great for his long-term success, his long-term health. Stop looking at me like that. Um, <laughs> and and so that that could be a great option for for Trout. Second, there's some defensive flexibility. So you have like a Shohei at first base, and and then you can actually maybe move some players around. You don't have to worry about, um, hey, what do we do with this guy? What do we do with a DH? You can move Trout and Adele and some of those guys into that DH slot. So it gives you some hmm. flexibility as to who's in your lineup, and it also gives you some flexibility as to who's in the outfield. And then number three, you get a strong bat at first base. Otani's bat is fantastic, and he is going to always be fantastic. And he kind of has that Matt Olsen and feel right and so why not play first base so that could be the good reasons the potential good reasons now John's going to be really reasonable and tell us why it's a terrible (laughs) terrible awful idea (laughs) (laughs) there's no reason to put Otani in a position where he could get hurt and risk doing that with him because he has such a routine when it comes to his pitching and his hitting that if you were to throw in this wrinkle to that routine, I would be very scared to find out what happens. He's playing a position on days that he's not pitching, which means there's more wear and tear on his body. And and I think he already puts himself through enough. And that's not even to say the times that he fouls a ball off of his thigh or his calf or his foot, you know, which and, seems and very he's often, powering right? through that stuff too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The endurance, I mean, for, for pitching and hitting – that's got to be exhausting for Otani. And again, he's got his own routine, his own pregame workout and warmups that he goes through. And and to just add another task to that list, I think would diminish his on-field competitiveness and his play. And, and it could be really depleting. I mean, we've seen him be tired during starts where he's had, you know, kind of a dead arm in some of his pitching performances. I would hate to risk 
losing out on a Shohei pitching performance just because we needed somebody to catch a ball at first base, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I think about the first base is like the 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 skipper position, right? Like it's it's the position that like the guy who's running running that infield yeah. over there. I mean, you look at Walsh and that guy is like a ballet master over there. He's stretching it out. He's we always joke that he does yoga because he's making plays like that. And you know, Otani, I could see him succeeding at first base. I mean, it's not that I wouldn't want him to to try it and just to see what it would be like, but I think the risk is too great. I think that the injury risk is too great. I think it's gonna be wearing him down too much. And and learning to play first and play it well like that's a whole different mental game than pitching yeah. and hitting. So it's just another element that would be part of the mental side of things that I wouldn't want to see Otani go through. I think he pitches just great and he hits just great and let's leave it at that. So if there's anybody out there suggesting that he should play first, uh, I don't know guys, you shut sometimes your mouth. <laughs> I, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but no, I, I just think we, we have so many more options. Yeah. And, and to be honest, there's no reason if, if Jer- we mentioned this yesterday during our mailbag, but if Jared Walsh is not going to be available by the beginning of the season, the angels have to go out and get somebody for that position. We can't glue stick this together anymore, especially in this last year of Otani's guaranteed contract. Well, thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast with MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan. John, did you know that he was like a like a director and a producer? I didn't know that. What? Yeah, yeah. Look it up on IMDb. Sully. Yeah, Sully's multi-talented. He brings his humor, his passion, and his unique perspective on every team and brings some of the biggest stories from around the league. You can follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app. YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't like a school play, was it? Like directing, <laughs> nothing like that. I, th- no. I thought Soli's supposed to have the humor. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Hey, give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown Angels. Keep up with the show and everything happening with our Halos. And of course, connect with Mike and I on Twitter and Instagram at Super Halo Bros. We'd love to see you there. Mike, what do we have on deck for Wednesday's show? We're going to play a game called Who's In and Who's Out, Locked On Angels version. We're just going to go through the lineup. We're going to go through the infield, through the outfield. And we're going to tell you who should actually continue to play and who they need to like boot to, into the sun or kick to the moon. And tell <laughs> I can think of somebody. <laughs> we're going to tell you the players that should be playing for the rest of the year and the rest of the players that should be on the bench or maybe not even on the team. That's coming up tomorrow <laughs> on Locked on Angels. It's going to be a brutal conversation, and we hope you'll join <laughs> us for that one. Until then, my name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow for more Locked on Angels. Locked on Angels.